Hey, welcome to the Good Media Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about church and stuff. Today in the podcast, we have Devante and Johnny. They yep. still don't have last names and that's okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we'll get to that someday. All right. So let's get into the podcast. Yep. Leadership, the church, is it too big to fall? Um, and the Bible does talk about, you know, saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so I think that that's, as we look at leaders, I feel like um, that's good to imitate. But I feel like, honestly, sometimes it's hard to be a leader. Um, I feel like being in leadership could be hard. I don't know if you guys ever experienced that. But, like, for me, mm-hmm. sometimes you could feel, like, lonely. You feel, like, pressures on you that everybody's watching you. Man, I, I know I struggle with that. I just struggle, like, I feel like I'm always in the spotlight. Like, people, they're always watching me. Um, They're always, like... I don't know. I just feel like I'm always in that spotlight image and like they think that I'm this perfect being, you know? Um, and I know like we brought up earlier today, like being too big to fall, like people like mm-hmm. build you up so big and put you in a place where it's like almost like you're Im- it's impossible for you to fall. Like, you can't even be human. Um, and so like, what do you guys thoughts on that? Like, what do you guys talk the hardships of ministry? Like just in that eyes of just being lonely sometimes because you don't, you can't relate to other people, um, who, who are not in leadership. And so you feel that loneliness or just the, the pressure you have on you by the people who you're in leadership of. Like they have so much like express expectations for you. Like, or like, how do you guys feel about that? Like that, that expectation people put on you because you're a leader. I think there's a big component nowadays of building entire churches on one person. Right, building a church on a personality, and we talked about this a little bit um, before, where you pick someone who's charismatic or fits in with whatever denomination you're in, or or you're the demographic of the people, right? And he's just like funny, and he's he's got great stage presence, right? So you build your entire church on that, and then time goes by, right? Humans are humans, and he's imperfect, and then the imperfect parts of him start to show, and people see those kind of things. So you got two options there, either you accepts that he's human and that he can he can make mistakes right and you try to build more infrastructure around that person so that they can be human and grow like a regular christian grows right we go through highs and lows we have to we don't have to struggle but most times we struggle and through that struggle growth happens right we get rid of the bad and bring in the good or you ignore that and your pastor you have a fake image of a pastor who's perfect all the time who never grows Zero growth, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the issue with that is if you set up that humongous expectation, one day something happens and people have to make a decision. Do I let this out? And then everything else crumbles down. Everything else that this person's built around them, everything that we've put on this person falls down because their name no longer means anything. And that's extremely dangerous. Yeah, I think we should bunk back a little bit on what you just said, like building a church around one person. That's just, I don't... I, that just rubbed me the wrong way, even when you said that just now. I mean, if we're not building a church around Christ, why are we build a church at all? Yeah, you can't. You can't build a church on people. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. So if we, if you want to, I, I think I see that. I see like people start to do this with like pastors and stuff, or like they just like take a pastor and they like like, oh, my pastor's like, he has tattoos of Hebrew writings on his hand. Like we are down to earth church. Come and hear my pastor preach. Um, come and hear my pastor preach about oh how 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 real he can be or how he can make the Bible seem so relevant and all these different things and I'm like, is this is how it should be or you should be telling people come and hear the word of God, come and hear um, the man of God who God has appointed preach his word in a way that will transform your life. Maybe if we we advertise our our our, our churches like that. We will get more of a response, but instead of making these leaders to be out at these perfect people. So then what we do is we then push these, we elevate these leaders, right? Because we're centering what we want our worship to be like around this guy, you know? It's timed. It needs to be right when he comes up on the stage, lights on. He's going to give this story that's going to blow everybody's mind, a nice joke. And the sermon is going to be so secret friendly that everybody can understand an unbeliever could come out. Thinking that they're saved without even without even believing, you know, mm-hmm. because the, the 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 message then wore down, and we kind of like idolize that almost. We kind of like because that's that's the way it's production versus like the authenticness of of the church. So based on some of the words you used, right, it kind of makes me think of what people are doing when they talk about how good their pastor is. They're selling a salesman. They're going, my pastor is such a good salesman that anyone would buy Jesus, right? Wow. You know, they're like, look at our production. Look at our look at the package we wrap up our pastor in. You can see, you can hear him on podcasts. You got him on YouTube. He's on Facebook Live, right? You can buy this on any medium you want, and he'll sell it to you. He's on Twitch, son. He's on Twitch. He's he's everywhere, right? But you see how that could be hard. That poor pastor. Like yeah, it's I, bad for the pastor. Yeah, it's bad for I'm the like, congregation. Either you're doing two things: you're building his ego, or he's very scared. Like, man, I don't feel like I could even be human almost mm-hmm. because they put me up on this pedestal. Like, like, dude, like. 
either like that's not good for your ego like everything is centered around you or you you're really afraid like you like I can't make a mistake and I I have to be very perfect you know like uh, like I don't know I just feel bad for almost pastors that fall in the line of of this like this trend of like people putting the pressure on them to build a church around them you know it's a breeding ground for both fear and pride either the person goes man I am amazing I'm the best salesman they probably don't think about it that way of Christ ever right and I can communicate with everyone and save people and people can leave like you were saying feeling saved even though they didn't get anything or they go they're incredibly afraid of that they don't meet up to the expectation there's the um imposter syndrome right which is the idea that someone is in a position they are because of mistakes or happenstance right a lot of people who are in high up positions feel that way so either the pastor feels that way which would definitely hinder your ability to to lead people if you're constantly in fear or you're incredibly prideful which also hinders your ability to to lead so either way with that kind of packaging of the church you're ending up with a compromised leader yeah and i say i guess i struggle you know i just i don't know being in leadership i like i I don't want to ever get into in that in that position, man, because that's scary. That's like, man, I know how imperfect I am, and I, I know that God's grace is what has me here. Like Him continually, like pressing into Devante, Devante, continue to study, continue to like be in Your Word, and continue as I if I as I give you the power of leadership, continue to lead. And and every time your pride gets a hold of you, Devante, humbly. Remove yourself from your pride. Repent of your pride. Don't don't get so full of yourself that oh you you are you are a very charismatic preacher and people love your preaching. You're a great preacher. Well, every time that comes into your mind, rebuke that Devante. Like that's what I feel like the Lord is telling me. Like every time you like that's why sometimes I struggle with, with compliments and when people say oh you're such a nice preacher because I want to make sure like I, when I hear these compliments I don't want to take them in the wrong way. I want to say yes God has given me a gift to be a good preacher but I don't want to be like in my head like oh I know I'm a good man man I know I'm a good preacher like. Look at everybody's walking away at my sermon, getting something from it, man. Like the the minute, like I in my mind personally, I try to train my mind to make sure that I'm not doing these things for pride. And I think that in any um area of leadership, like you, like that's what I want to train. Um, I want people to like at least if I'm talking to somebody about leadership, I tell them like train your mind to make sure like you don't get don't let it get to yourself you know mm-hmm. don't don't let don't let this thing come like oh it's all about you and so like i f- almost get in a fear of pastors who kind of put that center around them um it's all about the so and so show you know it's almost like that's how it feels and so i i don't know i just i just that's my thoughts and i could be wrong you know like i i could i'm still young i'm still learning but as what i can see it just makes me uncomfortable it makes me uncomfortable to be in a place of just such high pedestal that if you fall, man, everything under you falls because there's no structure. You you were the head of it and you're, you're a foundation, not Christ. And so when you fall because you're human and you mess up and make mistakes, everything else comes on. It shouldn't be like that because I think that you should have a body around you to keep you accountable. And there should be someone to come in your place, which I believe... God would provide a person if a pastor falls to continue the ministry of his work. So what do you think, Jeremiah? You've been pretty quiet. What do you, what do you, what are your so I kind of have an interesting relationship uh, with speaking. I absolutely love speaking and I unbashedly love the spotlight. Like I like being up front. I like telling you what I think. And I, th- because of that, I always have to keep myself in check. Um, I literally get like an adrenaline high. The largest crowd I've ever spoken to was 3000 people. And that was so much fun. I l- loved it. But then somebody talks to me about uh, speaking at Thrive, right? Which is the young adults ministry that uh, all of us are a part of, right? And I'm like, then I think about the Bible verses, like if you lead one astray, you might as well attach a ball and chain and throw yourself in the sea. I'm like, <laughs> it's not as fun then. Huh? <laughs> not, not as fun anymore. And then at that point, I'm like, okay. Um, that's way more serious and cracking jokes and just saying whatever I want to say is not the same thing anymore. It has consequence. I think, yeah, exactly. You, you said it, actually an important thing. It's like God has given you a warning. The Bible even talks a little bit about like, you shouldn't inspire to be a leader. Like, you, like that, that, like that, 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 that shouldn't be like, then you go for like be a leader. Like well, that, that it comes with more consequence, you know, who much is given much and is, is expected. And so when you stand up there in the front of people, man, you, you're taking the, the way I remember John Piper was um, preaching a sermon and he said like, every time he gets up to preach, he can smell hell. You want to know why? <laughs> Is because pretty much this is what happens. Satan doesn't want you to preach the word of God. He wants you to lead these people astray. He, he wants people to seek like 
he don't want to, he doesn't want people to seek God and and so what do you go just smell how much the, the enemy wants to turn people away in the midst of sermons so I just feel like man you, you you made a good point although you love to speak when you get up then you think about the consequence of of making this thing all about you it's a big consequence there's nothing to play with it's not a little play play game man it's not like we're on a playground and we're, we're on the seesaw and on the swings this is a real thing. Like, leading God's people is a real thing. It's not a fake game. And I think that we need to, like, as leaders, make that a priority in our life to know, like, man, we have a a gift that God has gifted us with. And are we being good stewards with the gift that God, that gift of leadership, that gift of teaching, that gift of, of just being um, a, a priest and a prophet to God's people? Like, are we going to play around with these things or are we going to take this thing serious, man? And I think that's that's where I have to really agree with you, Johnny, that building a church around someone can be dangerous. That could be like, that could be deathly to a church mm-hmm. and even to its people around, like to a church as an organization and the people around it. But like what we call a church, it's not a building, but it's the people. I think it could be really dangerous for those people sitting in the pews. So just kind of speaking on that and kind of bouncing back is, I was I was having a conversation at a millennial church, if you will, and I was kind of pointing out that a lot of the times we build churches around personalities and we build churches around these personal stories to relate because we feel like we have to supplement the Bible. We forget that the Bible is always contextual to every generation, every single day. God doesn't need your help to do anything. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need your amazing speaking ability. God doesn't need your tight pants, your slicked back hair, and your nice leather shoes, right? <laughs> Although I like tight pants. I like muscles. <laughs> I like slicked back hair. But, like, he doesn't need any of that. And I think sometimes we think we have to make it more relatable to kids, so we have to throw hashtags in there. We have to throw labels. Like, every single time we talk, it has to be part of some sort of series, right? And we have to throw all these buzzwords. So, like, next time you think about a buzzword, you're like, oh, that triggers, like, a reaction to you. Like, oh, yeah, that's about God, right? Like sometimes we think that the Bible is not sufficient. We don't think God's word is sufficient. And we, it it seems to me, right, like these huge churches that build their congregation around personalities, around themes, around hype, if you will, are literally pulling the rug from underneath the Holy Spirit. Now, that might be a bit extreme for an opinion of mine. And I'll admit I am very anti, like, one personality churches and I don't like I don't like over politicized over dramatic over theatrical churches I'm not a huge fan like I appreciate all of those things right like I am my brother and I we do production media as for a living right that's what our jobs are but at the same time I think Jesus's word God's word is what God's word is I don't think we need to help it I think if we could just focus on what the word says and a little bit less on the speaker, I think we would avoid a lot of problems, a lot of catastrophes. And I think we would have a much stronger body in Christ. And I think we would have like a more knowledgeable community, but I could be totally ignorant. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's an interesting aspect that you, or an interesting point that you make there. And kind of going back to what Devante said is that the important thing isn't the way that you package it. Cause the, when you said, like you said, the Bible doesn't need to be supplemented. And when you said when you get up there, right, you, people compliment you on your on your um, preaching, and then you have to understand that it's not yourself, right? Because the truth is, the Bible is the content, right? And then pastors are the are the are the way of delivering that content, right? But the truth is, when it gets down to it, the content is always going to be more important. So if you have a church with fantastic delivery, but their content is weak, you still end up with nothing. And kind of like you were saying, you pull the rug out from people. That's exactly what happens they expect something and it makes sense that they would have something and there's like validity because of all the stuff that they've gotten all the the structure and support but if there's no content there then they do leave with nothing and then it's dangerous because then people think they have something and then you left people in a situation of just mediocre lukewarm christianity because they got some enough to believe that they're saved and in a good position but not enough to do anything to provide growth Johnny, I actually have, I want to say two things to what you said just now. One, I think um, on the flip side, you know, one of the things that um, helped me in ministry the little bit of the little bit of time I've been in ministry, one thing that helped me, um, you talked about like remembering like when you do when you do preach a sermon and people compliment you, like like know that it's from God, but also like 
I think be, being prideful can go two ways. And C.S. Lewis kind of talks about this, right? You have that one pride that's boastful, right? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm great. Man, my sermons are really great. You know, the other pride is like this. Someone comes and says, you had a pretty good sermon. Oh, no. Oh, I could have been better. Oh, no. That, that sermon is not, not, that wasn't good. That could be prideful, too, because you're just saying, oh, God, your sermon was good. And God has gifted you the ability to preach a good sermon. And you're just saying, no, that wasn't good. Could be better than that. Mm. So how do you balance that, right? What is the balance of that, 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 that two sides of pride? You know, it's recognizing that that probably was a really good sermon and thank the Lord for that. So you know, I'd hear people say, you, said, you, you, oh, you, preach a good, you preach a good sermon. Like you'd say, I hear someone say that to somebody and the, the response would be like, oh, God preached a good sermon. All right, yeah, God did preach a good sermon. I mean, I just feel like a, it could have a better response. Like, like, yeah, thank God. They're like, man, he's, he's really given me the gift and ability to put in study and actually produce something for his glory, for the, that of his glory, you know? And so I think that that goes on both sides. Second thing is the lukewarmness after you have that seeker-friendly sermon that comes out. Um, the, the, the issue we have there is this. I think we talked about this today. Who is the church for? Is it for the believer or for the unbeliever? And then when you you when you're gonna talk in deep in like when you're gonna preach a sermon, you preach in depth. Preach for the people to understand it. Don't preach a watered-down sermon because you're trying to reach people. At least is what I think. And so you have a lot of people walking out to churches with no substance because we all all we do is the surface level stuff. And even when you preach the gospel, preach the gospel in a deep way. Preach the gospel, letting people know that sin has ruined their lives. But there is God, Ephesians 2, you know, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, 4, but God, <laughs> he's like, it turns it around, like preach the gospel and preach in depth. Show them how messed up they were. If you're talking to the believer and for the unbeliever, show them how messed up they are and they're in need of a savior, both the believer and unbeliever. Thank God the believer has a savior and, and, and make sure and like, let the unbeliever know that God is with an open arm extended towards them to bring them into the covenant body of believers. And so I feel like don't water that down. Don't don't make it seem like, oh, oh yeah, we 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 drink till we're drunk. But God loves you. No, preach like man, we drink till we're drunk because we're sinful. But there's a God who is willing and said, I want you. I want you in the midst of that sin. I'm gonna bring you to me and I'm gonna sanctify you. I'm gonna make you better by the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. So I, I yeah I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm passionate about this topic. Jeremiah holds his heart. <laughs> um, oh man, I 100% believe that the church is for the believers and for the saved, and not for those who aren't saved. Now bear in mind, I think the unsaved can come to church. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's right. open to everybody. Exactly. But the idea that you inviting somebody to church is going to save them, is to me, is ridiculous. I think a lot of us were like, hey, I want to minister to people. I want to bring people to Christ, and I want to say that I'm an evangelist. What I'm going to do is I'm going to invite people and not actually devote my time and invest in those relationships. I think that's what a And like, yeah, inviting somebody to church, right, has the benefits well, why has that become like our primary source of like evangelism? Our primary source of evangelism, right? Should be really reflected how, what Jesus did, right? Jesus had a, a mixture of everything. He talked to the people who people didn't talk to. He went out of his way to talk to people who would have been shunned and he got dirty. He got into the, the inter, like the complexities of those people, right? He took time invested. And we're talking about like the son of God, arguably probably the most busy person of all time, took time to invest in others who are like nobodies. That being said, everybody is somebody according to God. So I think that's kind of my issue with churches who are seeker, seeker friendly is the idea is like, it, it, it's like we're there to form a community, right? We're there, we're there to grow and enrich together and learn. We're not there completely geared towards just saving the brand new person. We're so called to go out and make fishers of men. You know, I think an interesting point to that where you were saying that the church is where people go to grow, right? Where believers go to grow. And I think the reason that right now there's a lot of Christians out there who don't who don't necessarily have the capability to do that, they just grab people and bring them to church, is because the churches themselves are not providing those people with a significant enough deep understanding of a relationship with God that they could express that to another person. 
that they themselves don't have enough of a foundation to overflow onto other people's lives. So they just bring people to church. And they're like, oh, you can be in the position I'm in right now, right? You can just be where I'm at. But the issue is they themselves aren't filled enough to just pour into other people. Because I feel like that's what the apostles did. They got filled by Jesus and then they went out and they filled other people. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there. I think I wouldn't go as far as to say like not bring people to church to be saved. Like that, yes. It's, I think the problem it is- It has with, its place. It has yeah, its exactly. place. exactly. But I feel like the problem I think I have with it is focusing your service mm. on that. Personally, as, as a leader in the church, I don't go to church on a Sunday morning Although I pray for salvation, I pray that someone comes to Christ, man. Someone like comes to Christ in the service that we're in on Sundays and 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 come to the knowledge and understanding of God and actually um, make an intentional choice to follow him. Yes, I do pray that. But I don't build my service around that. I build my service so that the body can be edified. That the, the people who are sitting down there, like who who are actually like coming to learn, I'm gonna preach to them to the best of my abilities, giving them the truth, and I'm going to give them deep truth, solid truth that they can grow in their faith. And I, I'm not going to be worried about like how necessarily an unbeliever would take this in the sense of I will allow the Holy Spirit to do its work. I would say that if I preach God's word, God's word will not return void. So therefore, it's going to go out to the unbeliever. And if the Holy Spirit is convicting and moving in that word, and if it's true, it's going to move that unbeliever to make an intentional choice to follow Christ. So I don't, I don't go in the mindset of I need to I need to make it spicy I need to make it really good so that the so the unbeliever can come to Christ. Let me let me let me find the best marketing tactics, right? The business mm-hmm. the business plan we talked about earlier. Let me find the best marketing practice. How could I lead a worship song in such a way that make the un, entice the unbeliever to come to Christ? Eh, that's not my job. The Holy Spirit is the one that's drawing them. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, my job is to give God glory, lead people into worship, lead people into worship to be able to give God praise and glory. And I think that that's where the issue falls down. That's where we have this problem of like us now focusing the church on unbelieving. How can, how can we now focus the church? Or let me give you an example. I got to throw this out there. And I know you guys are probably going to jump on this. Like as we talk about leadership today, it's like letting an unbeliever on the band so, they, so you could introduce them to church so they could probably become safe. Me personally as a worship leader, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with an unbeliever coming up. I don't know. And I... I could argue with this and I could have, I want people to push back on me because I, I want to interact with it more because I really don't have a full, full, full on conclusion. But as, as I stand right now, I don't think I would want an unbeliever on worshiping behind me because what is my purpose of worship? What is my purpose as a leading worship, being in leadership and being in worship? I mean, as a worship leader, I know I have to check myself, but a band behind me, they're sort of in leadership too. They're on that stage. They're giving God praise and glory. And I mean, like to have an unbeliever doing that, they're literally leading us in worship. Exactly. So I don't know. Like I, I see churches kind of doing that, using that as an evangelistic tool to bring people into church. Oh, I have a friend who plays downtown and this band. So nice electric guitar player. Um, maybe if I get him to come play at church, he'd come to Christ. So you're trying to tell me your worship team doesn't need to be saved to be able to play and, honor gl- and give glory to God. You could have anybody up there. Man, I wrestle with that. What do you guys think? Maybe can help me. First of all, I think people can see through the BS. I think people can be like, oh, you have me here because I play some drums. I, you have me here because I can play the guitar. Like, I just don't think that's effective. I think the most effective, if, if somebody were to be like, hey, Jeremiah, what do you think is the best way to grow a church? I would be like, take as many people as you can. Take as many believers as you can. I would say the best way to go to church is put the name life in it. Life center, life, <laughs> oh. <laughs> new life. <laughs> I just kidding. Uh, never mind. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to really go to church? Put the name life in it. Yep. Life church, life dot church. Got to go. And be non-denominational. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> put some tattoos in your inner arm. Make sure it's Hebrew. Ooh. <laughs> or Greek. There you go. Um, the best way, like I think what the best way to grow your church is, is to literally take your believers Stop having the strategy of just inviting people and actually go into community and start doing things. You want a bunch of people to start showing up at your doorstep. Why don't you go start helping people out and actually demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ? If we rewind just a little bit, John, you were saying that a huge issue with our congregation is that people don't feel like they're equipped or qualified to share the gospel of Christ. 
You know what the really sad part about this is that literally the world's most simple message is the most qualified message. And that is Jesus loved me. I'm saved. This is how my life has changed. Literally, that's it. If you've been saved, if your life has been changed, you're qualified. And that's all you need to know. You literally don't need to know a single Bible verse. You could be like the world's most newest Christian. You don't know diddly squat. You don't even know what the Holy Trinity is. Uh, you don't know how to spell Jesus. You don't need a B-I-B-L-E is the book for me. You don't need to know that because you understand the power and the love of Jesus Christ. And you understand what salvation does and how that changes your life. So I'm just wondering, where's the disconnect in our churches where people can't understand that simple reality of it? I mean, it's it's it has to do with leadership, right? It's so frustrating. We, we, we're talking about le- leadership here, so we we need to like, like as a leadership team, as leaders, as leaders, I feel like it's our duty to make sure we're doing the best that we can to preach an authentic truth to our people and not water it down, not make it so watered down that I mean, I want it that Joe off the street, a bum off the street, can come inside the church and understand what I'm saying, but I don't want to dumb it down that guy sitting down with a PhD in my church is like, this is, this is not deep. There's no substance. And so I could, I was just like, I'm giving them mashed potatoes, but I really wouldn't need to give them the steak. Well, why am I just giving my church mashed potatoes? Like that's it, it, a soft substance. Why don't I give them that well done steak? And so I guess I just feel like, I think I, I struggle with that. I think, and, and I just like, I don't want that to be, I don't want to bring a watered down message just because I'm trying to seek people to come in, I guess. I think the truth of the gospel, just the raw, unchanged truth of the gospel can work with people who are coming at it from a completely, who are new believers, right? Who don't know anything, right? You're saying they, they don't have any context of other things we're talking about. But there's also the same exact information and message can work for someone who has been thinking about it for 30 years, right? You brought up C.S. Lewis earlier. He writes so many books and different things about super basic things that he has clearly thought about for a very long time. And he draws new conclusions and new things out of them, even though it's the same premise that's basic that we learned immediately when we were in Sunday school, he's still talking about them when he's 60, when he's 50, right? Because the truth, you can always find more. The the, the real things that are in the Bible, there's always more there. So here's a question for you guys, right? From listening to what you guys are talking about the community. If the main church service right on Sunday isn't necessarily for unbelievers, then what it sounds like to me, the people who save people, who the people who bring people into that is the community of Christians, is the people, is Christians out there, you know, living their normal lives who are attracting people and bringing people, not necessarily to church, but showing them the difference. So here's the question. Is it the community that would be out there saving people or is it something else? I think the most effective leaders deploy the community around them to execute on things. So there's my answer. Yeah, it's the community. Um, define your question a little bit more. Right, because I think there's a bit of a, a misinterpretation that we have currently in the church, right? Which is that one leader saves people and all you got to do is get someone in front of that leader, right? Which is why people just all is like, just come to my church and listen to what my pastor says. He'll sell, you, he'll sell it to you in the way that I can. So is it the community that brings people, right? The community that brings people into the fold of Christ, teaches them that information and helps people learn and grow because they see the reality of it, like you were saying, the basic message of who I was and who I am now, right? That works for everybody because that's a human message. Is that what saves people? Or is it the other component of it, which is the leader, right? You have to find a leader to do that. You have to find someone to disciple to them. I think it's both and. Um, I think that we should be equipping, equipping believers to be able to evangelize. Um, and I believe it also has to do with a little bit of the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, not, actually not a little bit, a lot of the Holy Spirit. I feel like, it's not on our own power. Like in the, in the moment when we're evangelizing the people, like usually in our mind, I would say back up as leaders. I hope we're teaching this, teaching people this, but just back up in the back of our minds, be praying like, God, like give me what, to, give me the words to say to this person, how to evangelize, how to like, how to like, um, 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 speak to this person and lead this person to you. Like, I think in the back of our minds, we should be praying that. And, and also they should be already equipped, you know, training our people to be in their word, um, to be, uh, to be praying to God, to have devotion with God, to be after his heart. And so like, and so I, I just, like, I don't know. I just feel like as leaders, we should be teaching our people and that's the good side of the leader. And then also the people should, you know, go on and act on what they've been taught. 
sometimes and every we're not gonna have every answer and then we could leave. No, come come to church. Oh, come, I might get that answer for you. Give me a few, give me a few days, let me get that answer for you. And that's fine too. But as leaders, we want to equip people. You know, I I don't want to be like, oh, let me don't equip people as high as me so then they can't come and take my job or something. You know, like I don't think that way. I feel like I equip them to be has much Bible knowledge and even more more than me if they could grow in your relationship with God. Be like that's what I'm supposed to be after. Don't be discouraged if the person is studying and in their word. No, let them be in their word. You want that as a leader. And I think that you should go after that and make sure that they're equipped to go to save souls. I think sometimes, just from my experience, from being one of the starting members of a church, literally the thing that probably plagued it the most was people fighting for positions the whole entire time and like the sense of pride. And like, I got caught up in that on some level, right? But fortunately, I felt like God really like was like, yo, Jeremiah, pull back. <laughs> and um, was like, you need to humble yourself. And it just it's just kind of amazing. Like, I can't think of anything that'll make a, a, a church crumble faster than issues with pride. We can look at some of the biggest churches and you'll see leaders just fall down. They get too prideful, right? They let their guards down and then they stumble. Whichever way that may be, maybe sexually, they might uh, like use their power to abuse another person to do, to control the church in whatever way they want. But a lot of those things are just sources of pride. And I think we, that's kind of just a loss of the fact of like, you didn't build the church, God built the church. And it's God's church, not your church, right? Nothing we do in the body of Christ is actually ours. If you're a true believing Christian, all glory to God at all times, right? And that's super, super, super hard to live out. So I have a question for you guys. I think some people might be listening to us and be like, cool, cool, cool. You guys are very opinionated and uh, your perfect church doesn't exist. So what do you guys think about like the body of Christ and maybe like the church is operating as parts of the body of Christ? Do you think that's a thing or do you think churches have are, are supposed to be like embracing that all encompassing picture? Like you're saying, you mean different churches are for different types of ministries we're saying? Like there's different yes. churches represent different parts of the body of Christ yes. or that a church should have every part of the body of Christ within itself? The first part. It might be both. I don't know. I'm asking you guys. I think that we have um, some churches that are more mission minded. They have a stronger mission outlook. And so they're better at that. They focus more of their finances on that. That's what they do. That's what they, 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 that part of the body is, of course, they have other parts of, of the body, you know, they preach of the word, you know, worship the word, worship the musical worship, all these different things. But like, that's just their, their niche. Like they're, God has gifted that church to be able to, to give and to support and to be in missions. You have other churches, you have other church that probably might be really sound in children's ministry. Man, they have a, booming children's ministry. They are teaching, and not, not a little play-play children's ministry. You know, I'm not talking about color, a picture of Jesus with a staff, and then, no, I'm talking about like, they're actually teaching these little kids and they're actually learning. The kids know their Bibles. They grown up knowing their memory verses and stuff like that. Like, it's like pretty cool. Like, I feel like, I feel like, like some churches might be, have that, that niche into them. Some church might really, really have good musical worship. Um, I'm a fan of musical worship. I love it. And I think some churches really have their niche in that in that field. They know how to do that. Now, some churches have good worship but not good teaching, and that's a different story for a different day. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm serious. Like some churches just literally have that niche. They're really good at doing certain things, and so I do believe that. I believe that some churches, although they should have an all compass, they should have they should have children's ministry, youth ministry, and all that. But some some churches have a really good niche in the field of certain things, and so I believe that. Yeah. I would think, right, that if a church is supposed to be a representation and a place to foster the relationship between Christians and God and Jesus and, and a place for us to learn, you should be able to come and find a place for wherever you're at in your walk with God. You should be able to find some place in that church that will help you along with that. That's what I would think, right? If you have a church that's, you know, not including churches that, were, that are very, very small, but a church that's big enough and has enough infrastructure and is organized enough. If someone arrives and they go, hey, I just learned about this last week and I am completely like convinced, but I don't know anything. There should be someone in that church who can go to that person 
and teach them and teach them what they want to know and answer their questions, right? But if someone, you know, another person should be able to arrive and be like, hey, I've been thinking about this stuff for 20, 30 years, right? And I'm in a position where I have read the entire Bible, but I feel a little bit stagnant. Someone should also be there to um, help that person along. It says in the Bible that iron sharpens iron, right? So different components of different people will sharpen different people. And I think a church should have all of those things. And like you were talking about with the, with the, the parts of the body of Christ, right? A church should have the ability to help I would hope anyone. We were talking about this in our previous podcast about labels, right? And how those labels really help us identify those different flavors within Christianity and how effective those are. And I think that's kind of like, we, we sort of need to like lean on that in, in one way in this sort of aspect, right? Because you need to find the church where you feel comfortable in it, right? Also, like, what do you mean like a church that makes you comfortable, What's that? Yeah, because comfortable is a dangerous I mean, word. Yeah, like a church that makes you comfortable. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Explain that. Flush it out for me. Do you mean like a church that you fit? I, I, I mean, it, like, so, okay, I, I guess I need to explain this a little bit better. A church that I feel comfortable in is a church that really challenges me and makes me think about things, right? I am more happy in a church, right, that speaks about something that I completely disagree with, right, but that actually makes me think about that topic than a church that te- preaches something that is just completely surface level, right? So I guess you're, it, d- it really depends on, like, your definition of comfortability. Does that kind of explain it? Sure, yeah. I feel, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would use the word comfortable. Maybe there's a better word to use there. But, um... I get what you're saying. A church that that you feel the Holy Spirit's presence. Like that's what I would look for. I would look like how I want to go to a church and I could I could feel that the Lord is the, the Lord is moving there. Like I I'm getting I'm not getting taught some type of heresy, like crazy Wonderland. This guy's pulling something out of the air, not the Bible. You know, I want to go to a church where the pastor is actually preaching the Bible and I could actually see that he's opening the Word. I would rather go to a church honestly that's gonna give me a message that's going to have 5 million different verses in it. And at least he's going to be preaching, at least he's going to be preaching like from the Bible. Um, and hopefully those verses are not out of context and some guy did not even preach from the Bible, but he could tell me 50 billion stories about his daughters and his kids and all that, you know? And so, and so I just, well, I'd rather be in a church that will, that will convict me. Like I could feel the Holy Spirit literally convicting me. Like if I don't feel no conviction inside church, I feel like something is wrong. Like if I, if I feel too relaxed, in a church and coasting in a church. Like I'm just coasting this Christian coast. I'm doing this nice stroll. Like the, I don't know, um, Chance who's our producer, he plays, um, um, baseball and softball with our church. And, and he'll do this when he, when he's walking, like if they walk him, he'll do this little funny, little, little cute preppy stroll to first base. And we don't want to do that in a Christian walk. And if a church is giving me that little walk, like if they give me a walk, you just strike me out or let me hit. Mm-hmm. Don't give me a little, little trot walk. And I could do this. I don't want to coast in my church, my Christian faith. I want to hit or I want to get striked out where I have to come back and bat again and do, and, and you know, and I like keep on striving. So when I fail, when I fall, and we can get into the falling of leaders, that there's, some, there's, a, there's a body of community around me that will just discipline me, like church discipline. You know, when you see a believer in sin, what does the Bible tell us to do? Go to that believer, call that believer out. If they don't listen, get some more believers to come with you. You know, you know, come get, get them to come around and then call a person. If they don't list them, Listen, take them to the church. Let the church, let the church like kind of, let the church be a part of that. Like let the church discipline this person. And if they don't do it, then I, in my conservative Christian view of church discipline, you kick them out. That's my take on that scripture. I totally, I totally agree. I'm interjecting here. Chance here, producer. Uh, One, I I take my inspiration, my waddle from Kyle Seeger. Uh, (laughs) So it's, it's modeled after a professional here. But uh, no, I, t- I totally agree. I, I also agree. I, I was frustrated because I walked. I didn't get a pitch to hit. I wanted to hit so bad. And I, I wanted that chance to, to prove myself, you know? Yeah, to grow. Um, exactly. Exactly. To, be, to yeah. grow, to be pushed, to be yeah. uh, pushed against. Yeah. And, and to have to push back and being in that position um, and that conviction too. And that's, that's what I love about my church every week. Mm-hmm. I always feel like, oh, this sermon is specifically for me. And, and it's... It's good. It's convicting, but it's it's also very encouraging. Yeah, and that's what you want from a sermon. That's what you want. you want to be convicted, man. You want to be moved. You want to be you want to be encouraged, and like you want to feel like the Lord is moving your life. You don't want to hear a sermon and oh, I I got grace. I don't you know like you want to hear a sermon and be like, man, God, thank you for that warning. Like God, thank you for showing that. Thank you for revealing 
things like that to me. Every time I get it, like when we do, Jeremiah leads a, a nice um, Bible study on Monday mornings. And in that Bible study, even though I read the Bible and I study the Bible, I hear new things and different perspectives. And in my mind, I just say, thank you, Lord, for showing me that. Thank you for revealing that to mm-hmm. me, convicting my heart about that so I can grow in that area, so I can work on these things. What? By the power of his spirit. So knowing the Holy Spirit is living inside of me, I instead of me, I can now hit this ball, man. I don't have to walk. I can say, man, God, I'm going to swing at this. And God, when I fail and I swing at this, God, I know that you're there to pick me up. But I know that your spirit is in me and I have the power to swing at this. I have the power to swing at these, these this ball that's coming my way. And God, I'm going to hit it the best of my ability using the power of your spirit. And if I miss because of my imperfectness, God, you're going to pick me up after I strike out and say, go Devante, you bat again. And you keep continuing to do that. And you keep on to continue to press into me. You know, don't, don't coast in your Christian walk. Don't walk. Don't do the walk. Don't do the little prance, the first base. Devante, you continue to fight on. You continue to press on. And this is what you need sermons to do. As leaders, we need to preach sermons that, that convict our people. That, that, that want, like, all, like Bible studies, as leaders in Bible studies and small groups, we want to push our people. Mm-hmm. We want to like, encourage them. Let's just say, say you, are, you are free in Christ and you have died to sin. This is not who you, you are anymore. You know, you, you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus, man. And like, I feel like as leaders, we could push that. And I think that you do that awesome on Monday mornings. You awesomely like, you push us. You, you tell us, like, when we read his word, like, you ask tough questions. You, tr- you pull the tough things out of us. You confront us about our sin, you know, the sin in our lives, you know. And that's, that's what you want to do. You want to confront people about their sin. So, yeah. I think that really points to, and if you have a good, healthy congregation, you should be able to be convicted by the, what the pastor says and then have the community there to help you support yourself in growing. Amen. Right? You need the two components of it because you can be convicted and then you're like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable, and you leave. Right. And you've got nobody there to support the growth. Or you could have a wonderful Christian community that doesn't push you at all and you're super comfortable and then you're not going anywhere. Exactly. It's got to be twofold. It's got to be a healthy body of Christ where you're convicted and then you grow. And so as and I think leaders, we need as we need to pull together a community to help people in the in the in the case of a fall. What if a believer does fall in sin? Um, what if a be- believer shows a habitual act of sin? What are we doing as leaders? How are we te- teaching our people to go after this? Um, what about if leaders, as we fall, is there is there a body of elders or something to come around us and help us in our position as leaders? Like, is there a, do we have a group of friends that we can call on and say, man, I've messed up. Man, I gossiped so bad about this person. Oh, I, I stumbled over a wrong website that I know I shouldn't have been looking at. Like, do we do we feel comfortable? Do we have friends around us that's do not? Because is our church supporting us with men or, or women or whoever to come around us and be that figure to actually press into as leaders? Are we doing this? Like, sometimes I don't feel comfortable. I feel like embarrassed because I don't know if I could trust people. Like, they put you up on this pedestal, right? And then you, you get afraid to do that. Like, are we... Are we facilitating that? Leaders teaching our, our congregation to be that for people and have people around us to be that for us and then be that for people, you know? I, I We were talk, kind of talking about this today a little bit and I think you said something really, really good and you said this multiple times is that when you're a true, truly saved Christian, right? You might stumble, right? You might occasionally live in sin, but when you do that, it's absolute torment, oh, yeah. right? There's zero, zero, zero rest. Oh, the Holy Spirit right? will just dig you up. Oh, man. Worry. If you're a Christian with like your sin in your life, he will tear you to with shreds. like a metal sponge or something. Exactly. I was, I, was, I was having a Bible study the other day. I was reading like the last half of James 6, and it was so convicting. I was like, Amen. I need to take a second. Like, wait a minute. Like this, I just got like put through a shredder. I need to take a, a quick second to just gather my thoughts because I was felt so convicted. And I think that's just like the power of fellowship and like to have that community. James is another chapter six. I was like, hold on. <laughs> wait, 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 no, not James, not James. Romans. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I was like, six. <laughs> Romans, Romans, okay, Romans. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Devante is like pulling Romans. it up on his yeah, phone. I'm going like, to double check. I'm like, hold on, wait, am I wrong? <laughs> I'm dyslexic. So like James and Romans, some reason, same in my <laughs> it's brain. A gay, it's a gay. No, I mix yeah, up like, things it, all the time. It, it, it was kind of like, it was one of those moments where I was like, wow, that conviction. I was like, God just took a metal sponge. 
But it's good though. It, I feel but like for I me, felt, it's good. It felt really good because I was like, okay, that's cool because God just showed me a weak point in my life yeah. and now I can step forward you. and conquer that. Exactly. Right? With the power of the Holy Spirit. God is disciplining. He disciplined the ones that he loves. Like you think it's Proverbs 3.12. God disciplines the ones that he loves. And so that iron sponge that you talk about, when sin starts to creep up over your heart, he's scaling that sin down. You know, he's saying, you're my child. I work inside of you. I'm after you. And he's going to work with that metal sponge. And that's going to make us uncomfortable because he lives inside of us. And God doesn't like sin. So what do you think is going to happen? That's going to be uncomfortable to us. Man, I know this passage in, in the Bible, Paul talks about, and this is really popping into my mind. And I'm like getting all excited because it's so true. Um, it's, it talks about the thorn in the flesh. And, and Paul is struggling with this thorn in his flesh, man. And he said, I pray to God three times for him to remove it. <laughs> God didn't remove it. Uh, God disciplined Paul. I went, what, what did they say? Because where I am weak, God is made strong. Man, in my sin, when I'm weak, I'm crying out to God. I'm pressing into God. God removed this. And he don't remove it? All right, because I'm pressing into him. He wants me to realize that. And you know, when it's gone, all I could do is remember God, how faithful he was to me. Even in my unfaithfulness, God remains faithful. And I, I think that like, in that aspect, in that, that, that thing, I, I, I pray that I could be there for people in the midst of that, in the midst of that fall, in the, min, in the midst of when that happens, and in the Christian body. Because this is an authentic thing, right? I could be honest and real. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through stuff. And stuff is not even the word I want to say. Everybody has issues in their life. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has this time when they mess up. Could we be there for people when they do this? Are we going to be willing, without judgment and condemnation to the believer, are we going to be there to help them, to call them out, be righteous, like be honest, like just call them out, say that was wrong, but be there to love on them and say, God loves you. Like, remember the gospel. So that's why I like to preach a simple message per se or whatever of the gospel. Just remember that. Remember Christ's love for you. But are we doing that? Or the minute we, we hear their struggle, we are gossiping to our friends about what so-and-so did. And that's why they're scared to tell us when they fall. That's why they're scared. Like, that's why leaders are afraid to say when they mess up. I, I, yeah, I, it's re- kind of really interesting when somebody's afraid of sharing what they've gone through. Or they, they're, they're afraid of sharing what they've gone through. And we sometimes question them, like, why, why would you be afraid of sharing what you've gone through with the body of Christ? And, like, you need a thing to, you're like, literally deconstruct it. It's because they've been hurt before, right? Oh, they're afraid. They've seen gossip in the church. They've they, seen they, the damage. Yeah, they grow up seeing mommy talking about sister so-and-so. And it could be hard. It's like, man, I don't want them to say brother so-and-so did this. And so, but guess what? You need community, though. You need that. You want that. Like as a leader, I want community around me. So when I make mistakes, man, I could go and cry on my brother's shoulder and say, even as a leader, I'm a human and I fail. I'm not too big to fall. And that's where, and that's where I turned around to, right? As a leader, I'm not too big to fall, man. I'm just a mere human. Paul says in, in, in Romans 7, for I don't understand, this is my favorite book, verse of the Bible, for I don't understand my actions. I don't do what I want to do and I do the exact thing that I hate because he hates sin. But he said, it's not me that's doing it. The sin that dwells inside of me. He goes down a little bit later and he says, who can save a wretch like me? Paul then breaks out into that doxology, answering the question. Praise God for Jesus Christ. Paul, a leader, wrote 13 books of the New Testament. His answer towards sin is saying, man, I don't even, I hate it. I don't even understand why I do it. He struggled with it too. So why people think me, a leader, wouldn't struggle with it too? As we walk, this walk of life is going to be so much things that the enemy is going to throw of us and he's going to throw it because you're a leader. Now, I want to get that person down because if I knock him down, he, he has, God is blessing his ministry. I see how God is being fruitful in his ministry. Watch me knock him down. He, he's going to try everything. He's going to throw it at you. But we have to stay persevering. Keep praying. Pray against the enemy's plan that he's trying to destroy. Do we have people praying for us in leadership? Man, there's so much questions I have about leadership. Like this, this series could go on forever. This, this podcast could go on. Because I have questions. I want to know, like, is someone praying for me and praying that what the enemy has to destroy leadership in the church? There's, like, like we don't see how it, it, it is planned to do that. He wants to destroy God's work. Like, is someone praying for me? Is someone willing to hear me out? Is someone there to hear me when I'm lonely, when... Someone um, willing to hear me when I feel like I want to throw in the towel. Like, this this church leadership is too hard. I don't want to deal with people's stinking, dirty personalities. Mm-hmm. And I start to think, is someone there to listen to me and don't and hear me, hear my cry? Hear me when I say this? Like, hear me out? 
And that's why I get that's why I get afraid and when it comes to church leadership. Well, something you just said actually kind of like convicted me because like our previous conversation, I've I like I may have said things that like might have been true, but it might have been critical at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like how are those things that I've said critical have actually built up the body of Christ? And the reality is is that those things that I have said have not, right? So authenticness right there. See, yeah. that's what I love. And that's why it's not going to be in the podcast because it's like, it's, it's, I want to build up the body of Christ. I'm not here to tear down the body of Christ, even though I might be opinion. I mean, like, this is right. This should change right now. And like, this is not going to lead to like sustainable growth. Right. doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Because if, if we're being critical and we show no love and no support for the body of Christ, then it was just better to just be quiet in the first place. Exactly. Right. Cause we're not helping. All we're doing is just, giving the devil more ammo to tear each other apart. Yeah. And I think a good point, like you said, with um, being afraid to fall and like saying you're not too big to fall. It says in the Bible, right? That, that Satan is waiting like a lion to just snatch us up. Oh man. Right. And you, like you were saying earlier, you have to be able to, to go to someone and be convicted and allow yourself to be like, Hey, I messed up. Like you just, you know, and have a community around you that helps you grow and understands you and not be scared to tell these people and not be scared to tell like, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ that you did mess up because like you said, we're all human. And I think those, I mean, that's the red flag and in, in, to look in different organizations and, and look in your own life, right? Do you have the ability to be one convicted and two grow? Cause there, it's a twofold system. You have to be convicted and then have a community there to support you. Hmm. I used to go to this, uh, Tuesday night Bible study, young adult Bible study, um, with Chapel Hills to put on Chapel Hills, a church that I totally support. They've supported me. Um, both Jeremiah and I actually, and Chance, who as our producer, went on a mission trip supported by Chapel Hill. So uh, I would totally, like, I don't even go to Chapel Hill, but I was a part of a little small group that they did, um, a young adult small group. And um, and the, the, they, they discontinued the small group. But one thing I learned at that small group is this. It's how you receive criticism as a believer. When someone calls you out on something, true. it's how you receive that. You know, it's like, where's your heart when you receive something like that? Where's your, where, where, if you're wrong, admit you're wrong. Like, sometimes for me, pride wants to step in and I don't want to admit my wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, but if I mess up on this podcast and I said something totally wrong and someone calls me out, I hope I'm um, not prideful enough to just say, like, dang, that was wrong, Devante. You need to be called out on that. Like, it's okay to be called out. It's, it's a humbling experience because we're not perfect. And so I think that that was one of the things I learned is how you want to receive criticism. How do you want to receive when someone calls you out? How, you, how are you receiving that? Even as a leader, as in leadership, when someone said, mm, Pastor, mm, I think what you said was kind of messed up. You should take a look at that. Are you willing to look at it and be like, dang, that was messed up? I'll give you an example. It happened to me just a week ago. I, I'm just stubborn. And so we're going to the book of Galatians in, in, in my church. And I, um, I called it, I called the, the place where Paul wrote Galatea. It was Galatia. And it, I say it's, it's spelled like Galatea, so I'm going to call it Galatea. That's just stubbornness, though, because that's not the true meaning of it. That's not a true word. And I was called out on that. Like, yeah, I mean, don't be stubborn about it. Just say what it is. And I accept that, man. Yeah, it actually was being stubborn. And I, I need to repent of that. I need to repent of that. Because that's just stubbornness. But as a leader, are you willing to take that or you just want to be prideful? I went to school for four years. Moody Bible Institute. What you talking about? Don't tell me how to say this. Heck no. I could do 100 years of seminary and still be, need to be able to be taught. And that's where we get all mixed up. I've been teaching Sunday school all my life. When you were still in God's, I was going to say something else. When you were still, when you were still in, in, in heaven as a little babe or whatever, however you view it, I don't care. Whatever. I was teaching Sunday school. So what? You don't think you could still learn? Mm-hmm. You could always learn. And so like humbling yourself to listen to people when they call you out on your, on your, on your wrongness, be whatever, that, if that's even a word. Like being able to be called out. I feel like, Man, if someone calls me and I'm wrong, I'm going to admit I'm wrong. I'm straight up wrong. That's just how it is. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And then the thing is, what is my approach to my wrongness? Am I going to say, man, God, I was really wrong. I repent of that. I'm sorry. I'm God. Can you, can you, can you work in me to change that attitude? Can you work in me to help me to move on from this? Like, I hope that's my response. You know, like, of course, I'm human and I can, I can, sin can shift me one way and I'd be like, heck no. But I pray like, God, like, that's the response I want. I don't want to have a prideful response to when someone called me out. Devante, you, you wasn't singing your harmonies right this Sunday. You can't tell me how to sing my harmonies. I've been leading worship. That's not should be your response. I'm like, oh, I should check out my harmonies. 
you know? Like, we should always be willing to consider that we're wrong. Exactly, yeah. Like, how do you want to take it? I had um, a super cool experience during a Bible study with uh, Michael Baltierso, who's the leader or the coordinator of Thrive, which is the young adults ministry that we're all a part of here. And um, I remember one of the first meetings I had, literally one of the first meetings I ever had with Michael Baltierso. We were talking about like social media marketing, whatever. And um, I said, you know, I want to help Thrive, but I don't want to be in leadership because I know I'm not going to get that much from it because I've done it before. And I'm just going to be annoyed. I'm just going to be like angry at people. I'm going to be annoyed. And just like last week, I was thinking about, I was like, hey, Michael, I was just thinking about what I, we, I first said in the first meeting we ever had. And I just want to say, I was so epically wrong. Like being in leadership in this ministry has helped me and has helped me grow in so many ways. I was like, I, yeah. I kind of like, like little tears of joy popped out of my eye just sockets tears, so. because I was like, <laughs> I have never been so happy to be wrong. And he was like, yeah, God need to humble that. I was like, true. That's 100% true. Cause I had my head up my butt. It was like, and uh, God showed me the light. So I think it's just those moments of like, and it's it those moments of being able to recognize, right. When we fall short as leaders, right. As members in the community of body of Christ, because when we're able to recognize those things, those are when we grow the most, right? And I'm, I'm like, I'm grateful for those moments. They're sobering, they're humbling, and I mean, I would be just like a total wreck if I didn't have God to keep me in check, right? I I don't, I would not want to meet myself without Christ, right? I don't think I'd be, in, I'd be, I'd, the the people sitting in this room would not want to talk to me if I didn't have Jesus Christ in my life, right? So. It's just those that willingness to humble yourself, and I'm working at it because, like, man, I have pride. Don't <laughs> and, we all though? And I have ego. <laughs> and like, but it's good that you recognize that. You know, yeah. You're willing to work on that. The sad things that people who have pride no don't, don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I see, I fear those people, man. I'm like, man, you can't see your pride. It's scary. And so, like, man, I just stand here like today, like knowing like my imperfectness, and I'm not saying that just to be, oh, you know. <laughs> Typical Christian cliche. Oh, I know I'm sinful, but you know, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand and say, man, I know I'm messed up, and like, man, if you, if you know me, Devante speaking here, and you know, you want to call me out on something, call me out on it, man, please do, and like, like I hope my response is to work on it, and like, and pray that God, like, I, 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 you, my, 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 my saying is, you know, by the power of the Spirit, because I really do believe that I'm, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to do anything for the glory of God. So anything that I do for the glory of God is because of the Spirit giving me power to do that. So I think that as we go on and continue as leaders we're in any captivity that we're in, so if that's digital media or whatever that is and however you run that, or if that's engineering one day or however you run that, or whatever you, Jeremiah is so all over the place, <laughs> but whatever you do, and even whatever I do, I pray that like we continue to seek God in our leadership and what we do, and we, we continue to, Humble ourselves, allow God to humble us, allow us to when we make mistakes that God to, to, to you know laugh with us to be like you, you needed that you know allow God to continue to humble you in that humble all of us actually in that that aspect. I mean, I pray that our response to like even this podcast, like all of us probably in here, like we were struggling and we're gonna be authentic at just how we could kick off this podcast. We know we wanted to talk about church and stuff and just like like how honestly like leadership and just all these different things about church. We just, just like we're struggling with how to start this off. And this podcast just licked off. It's just because like who feels it knows us. And I think all of us were in leadership and just kind of know how it feels, how hard it could be. We've seen some things in the church that leadership needs to take more control of. And I'm not calling it a specific church because I think like even probably in my church, I'm like in the, in one hope is where we could work as better as leaderships, uh, as a leadership team to be better, to glorify God better. And I feel like so I feel like I pray um, that all of us in here, in any leadership captivity that we're in, will continue to see God um, mm-hmm. and continue to like press on for the glory of God. And anything that we're not doing for the glory of God, that God will shut down, that he would destroy so that his glory can be shown. Even if it's the Good Media Podcast. Even if it's the Good Media Podcast. If God said, this is not for my glory, man, burn this stuff. Sorry, Chance. But I, I'm serious, though. Like I say that in all seriousness. Like, like let's let's do these things as leaders for the glory of God and for the glory of God only. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. And I think the cool thing uh, uh, about having that relationship with God and being involved in that community is like literally the moment you think you got it, you don't got it. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's more growth. <laughs> a little side note. You ever like 
struggle with something and then right when you get over that hump of struggling with something god reveals something else mm-hmm. <laughs> like you just like you feel like conquered that. god has given the power to conquer that sin and then you got over the hump whoop next sorry interjecting again uh andy minio has a has a quote uh and jeremiah you almost hit it exactly on the head uh it's in i believe it's hear my heart a uh, a song devoted to his deaf sister anyways that's a that's a side point but um there's a there's a line in there that says oh i get it i don't get it <laughs> and it's 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 brilliant and it's it's so convicting i i love a lot of what andy minio is doing because it's it's got that conviction but it's also real yeah. and it's not it's not holier than thou but it's it's down and dirty and he's he's admitting his own faults and he and he kind of puts it in a very thoughtful way um that hey you know uh, maybe you're going through this too but here's what i've experienced and here's here's my take on it mm-hmm. and it's and it's open for everybody else to to take as they will I think this might be a little off topic, but I think it still correlates. Like my probably the biggest lesson I've ever encountered with those concepts is getting into a relationship, right? And I got into my first relationship and I thought I had everything on lock. I was like, I got this, I got this, I got this, boom, done, done, done. And then God was like, wait a minute, let me show you some new things, right? And that person that I got in a relationship also hits back like I hit back, right? It is not afraid to say what she thinks, right? And she's like, hey, um, I think you should really work on this and really bring it to God. I'm like, really? And she's like, yes, do that. <laughs> oh, here's some Bible verses for you too, man. She's like, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And I'm like, I'm super grateful for that, right? Because I'm like, wow, I need somebody like that in my life because I'm so stubborn. And, um, dude, this is so funny. I'm actually like, you know, little, little tears of, uh, little tears of joy right there. Um, that's good. I think, yeah, Jeremiah, you, you, you know it. And, and just basically me and you talk, um, I know that you see in your growth and how the Lord has been working in your life in that, in that relationship. And so let him continue to do that. Mm -hmm. Like continue to like, let him work in your heart like that. That, That's, that's cool. I just feel like that's a part of your testimony that God is continually working mm-hmm. he doesn't stop and you know that like you you can see that you can look back and like i look back six months in the past you could just look back and say what look how god has worked in a matter of six months yeah and so that's good which is exactly how long i've been in the relationship i, 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 I didn't even know that okay yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally it's six months uh on the 12th of this month mm. Yeah, yeah. And like, I swear, I think I mess up like every day. And I like, I need to like bring it up to God. I'm like, okay, God, please save this. <laughs> like, I messed up. Please, 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 please help me out here. And I think it's just been a continual practice of going back to God, literally going back to God. Um, and like, the cool thing is like, the Bible talks about like, y- like people will see the fruit that you produce, right? And unequivocally, my friends have all said that I'm a little bit more humble. <laughs> like, and I've, I've, it's just like having those brand new life experiences. Johnny, any last thoughts? Um, yeah, just li- listening to what you guys are saying, right? And, and just kind of the sentiment about not being afraid to be corrected, not running away from feeling inside of you like, oh, this is wrong, right? Paul says that he rejoices when he goes through struggles and, and he rejoices when he has to be corrected and things like that. And I think that's a good position to be in. One of the signifiers that you're probably on the right path when you recognize that you have issues and you want to fix them. Mm-hmm. So, what's the application as we wrap this up? Like, have we talked about? We've been all over the place this this podcast today, and just like, I just like how how we wrap up some application. We talked a little bit about churches and like um, just putting it around leaders, um, um, and like we talked a little bit about like seeker friendly, and we don't want to filter as, as leaders, filter a, a church as seeker friendly. Um, but then we switch over to being a support system for the covenant body and uh, people who struggle. And then for our leaders, um, uh, leaders who might struggle and have some issues or, and then, uh, and then ra- wrap it all up. God's work in our lives. Um, but being leaders or not leaders. Um, like what's the application? Anybody has any few points that you want to throw out there? I think like the the most simple and like logical application for me is just embedding yourself into a group of people who you trust and who are willing to like really kind of like poke at those yucky spots in your life and be like, hey man, I love you. And because I love you, let's fix this. Let's work on this. And I think like, like the Monday morning Bible study that we do, right? I think that's absolutely amazing. And that's why I did one on Friday and Monday and like, 
multiple times a week is because it's like it, we, we feed off each other. We create this community. So I think kind of like practical application is like get plugged into community. I think that's one of the main reasons for community. And then secondly is have the mental mind state to like accept criticism and accept the, the, the nitty gritty process of being humble. Yeah. Right. That is so hard of the accepting and willingly embracing the process of God humbling you. It's so difficult yet. It's so, so, so rewarding. And then like constantly just being in prayer and communication with God. It's really hard to get anywhere if you're not praying. And on that note, this is the end of the Good Media Podcast. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Alina Scheidt. She's on her DTS trying to serve the Lord and meet new people. And I think that's fantastic. Thank you for showing us some love. We're praying for you. Uh, we miss you and we hope you come back. Thank you.